This week on Myths and Legends, there are three stories of bargains from Scandinavia. We'll learn that, surprise, you shouldn't deal with the devil. But maybe you should be more afraid of Kitta Grau and her new shoes. On the third story, you'll see, if The Rock owes you money, how to get him to pay up. The creature this week is Batsquatch, and it's either Sasquatch with wings or the stinkiest version of Batman. This is Myths and Legends, episode 309, The Enemy of My Enemy. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today, there are three stories of bargains from Scandinavian folklore. They are three stories, but we're going to have them blend into each other. And we'll start with the bad guy, like literally the first bad guy, the devil. And he has some notes for a cowherd out with his cow. The devil narrowed his eyes. This guy. Up ahead, the peasant was praying. Ugh. Oh God, hear my prayers and keep this cow in your care because I'm a medieval peasant and all my wealth is in this animal that can die. <sighs> Jerk. The devil... The he was sick of it. Anytime something went wrong, people were like, oh, the devil is to blame. Anytime something went right, they thanked God. It wasn't fair. It was biased. He did some things sometimes that some people, mainly him, could construe as good. So, you know, so unfair. The peasant left the cow in the field and began dozing. And the devil, being functionally immortal, could take the afternoon to watch this peasant shepherd commit an unforced error. The cow wandered down the hill, farther, farther, and stuck. What? The shepherd yelled when he woke up. The devil snickered. He ran downhill and stopped at the edge of the swamp, the swamp the cow had wandered into despite there being like zero things a cow would like in a swamp and so many things that could bite and or kill it there. Look at that, the peasant cried out. The devil has his finger in the pie again. The devil shot up in his bush. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That wasn't him. That was completely the peasant napping on the job. That was ridiculous. People caused their own problems and then blamed him. A lot of the times. Like, no, take some responsibility for your life and actions. The peasant stomped off toward the town to get some more people. When he found he couldn't pull the cow out, it was trapped in the deep mud of the swamp. The devil shook his head. This was so unfair. You know what? No, he wasn't behind this, and he wouldn't have his good name, well, his name, dragged through the mud. Besides, his curses were way more clever than a cow stuck in mud. The devil walked down the hill. Hey, cow? I can't remember. You all can't talk, right? The devil said as the cow, who was either incapable of speech or rude, shirked away from him. Cool, good. I'm going to get you out of the swamp, no strings attached, which is a big deal for me. Either because ancient cosmic evil personified was on the other side of the lead, or because the cow just didn't want to, the cow resisted. So by the end of it, the devil was covered in mud. But the cow was free. The devil led the cow up the hill, back to the pasture, 
Seriously, who grazes their cattle next to a swamp and then tiptoe back to the bushes as he heard the village approaching? Yeah, she's down there and... The peasant stopped talking, stunned that his cow was out of the swamp. The devil grinned. There it is. Now the peasant would have something to thank him for and... Oh, thank God she's out. The village saw a strange man burst from the bushes, yell a, come on, seriously, and then storm off down the road. The devil was having a week. There was this peasant nonsense, but it started up with that farmer couple down the road. The devil looked down the path and, hey, it was Kidda. Kidda Grau was evil. And because Kitta Grau, a local evil woman, was evil, she recognized the devil immediately. Always. Hey, Kitta, the devil said. Kitta looked at him. Hey, the devil, or should I say, Big D? Please don't, the devil replied. Kitta shrugged. Whatever. What was up with him? Why was he so sad? The devil sighed. Was it that obvious? The farmer couple down the road. He was trying to sow dissension in their marriage so they would hate each other and, in a time before divorce was a real possibility, live for years, seething, until an early death took them both. That is so you, Kidda smiled. I know, right? But these kids, the, they love each other. They think the world of each other. I can't wedge in there at all, the devil said. He normally wouldn't care, but he'd been having a rough month. Have people been praying more or something? It's like a desert out here. Kitta said that was it? The farmer couple who lived at the farm down the road? Yeah, no problem. She could do it. You could do it, the devil asked her. Yeah, what's the big deal, Kitta said. It would only take one visit, too. The real question was, what could the devil do for her? Uh, new shoes? I'll give you a pair of new shoes, the devil asked. Ooh, fun. Yes, let's do it. Remember that. You take the day off, Big D. Special K's got this one. Again, please don't call me that. We're not doing nicknames. We're not that close. The devil yelled after Kitta Grau. But like the cow in the swamp, she pretended not to hear. Kitta Grau took a drink of the milk. So, girl talk, tell me about that husband of yours. Kitta Grau smiled at the farmer, the wife, sitting across the table. The wife had invited Kitta Grau in. Well, invited is generous. Kitta said hello and kept talking as she walked in. She knew that nice people were too nice to stop her and ask her what she was doing walking in their house. Before the wife could get a word in edgewise, she was already pouring Kitta milk in a clay cup. Oh, the wife said, well, he's just fantastic, amazing. They had only been married a few months, but she knew how lucky she was. He granted her every wish without her even asking. Every wish, Kitta Grau arched her eyebrows. Wow, lucky woman, Kitta grinned. There was a brief awkward silence while Kitta drank her milk and the wife blushed. Hey, so I need to talk to you about something, Kitta said. It actually concerns your husband. It, he's not here, right? The wife said no. He was out in the forest cutting wood until this evening. 
What was wrong? Kitta explained that, well, first, the wife knew that Kitta was evil, right? The wife nodded. Yeah, she, she heard that, but that was unfair. People just didn't understand her. An elderly woman living alone. No, I'm going to stop you right there, Kitta said. I, I am evil. I am super proud of it. Some people have hobbies. I do evil stuff, like kick puppies and care for cats. The wife furrowed her brow. Oh, she could look past the puppies, but caring for cats? That was messed up. All that to say, I know evil when I see it. And that husband of yours? Yeah, I am so sorry to tell you, he's got a little bit of deceit left in him. The wife said, what? Kitta nodded, yeah, it still small, still small, so probably nothing to worry about. He's probably out in the forest cutting wood right now, just like he said, and not at the house of a neighbor whose husband is also out. No reason to think about that yet. The wife was thinking about it now, though. I didn't come just to give you bad news, though, Kitta said. There was a way to get rid of all this, this last bit of deceit. So she never had to worry about him being in the arms of that attractive neighbor of theirs right now. Kitta raised her chin. The wife saw her husband shave. How he always missed those hairs where his chin met his neck. Kitta pointed to those hairs on her own chin. She was really proud of those. Anyway, those were where the last bit of evil lived. All the wife had to do was take the razor and snip those hairs off, and her husband will be without malice or deceit. Kitta could see the wife was deep in thought and patted the woman on the back. Ugh. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but also, he might be resistant to losing his evil hairs, so you might just want to snip them while he's sleeping. Hey, if I'm wrong, awesome. Great for you. But if you see those hairs, get rid of them for your only chance at happiness. All right, I'm out, Kitta said, finishing her milk and rising. She left the wife staring at the wall. Hello, crone, the husband said, setting his axe down on the ground. It's Kitta, Kitta replied, sitting down on a nearby stump. I'm good with crone, crone, the husband said. Get any more cats? I still have the three, Kitta replied. Three is too many cats, the husband said. Look, he had a lot of work to do. What did the crone want? Oh, I'm sorry. I just came out here to save your life, but if, if you'd like, I can leave you to certain death. Kitta rose. Certain death, my one fear. The husband narrowed his eyes. The crone had two minutes. Okay, I'm doing you a favor here. Kitta rolled her eyes. Whatever. Okay, that beautiful young wife of the husband's? Yeah, she was evil. Ha 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 This is me. This is my reaction to your ridiculousness, crone, the husband said. Kitta said that that was very funny, and the husband cut her off. He wasn't finished with his exaggerated laughter. Ha 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 ha! Kitta waited until he was finished. It took a while. Look, Kitta said, I'm evil, as you know, and I can spot evil from a kilometer away. We're in Sweden, so there are kilometers here. All I'm saying is, 
Game recognized game. The husband looked Kidda up and down. Kidda was evil. Everyone knew that. You take your midday nap, right? Kidda said. She had just learned that from the wife, so she knew it was true. The husband nodded. Well, sorry to say, don't fall asleep today, or else your wife is going to cut your throat. Kiddo walked off. Lies! Evil lies from the evil crone. Go home and scoop the litter box, crone. Your words have no power here. We'll see how Kidda's plan plays out, but that will be right after this. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Kidda sat against the cottage. She swiped a drink from the nearby cellar and was waiting for the payoff for all of her hard work that morning. Kidda had followed the husband home from a distance. She didn't want to be seen, and she was running a little late. She actually had needed to scoop the litter box. She bit into an apple when she heard the scuffle inside. What are you doing? You're awake? Of course I'm awake. Oh my gosh. She she was right. She? Who is this she? Are you lying to me? Like I'm telling you anything. Walking around here, waking me up with a razor. Oh, come, come here. Come here. I, I just want to give you a trip. No, no, no. No, no, no. Excuse yeah, me. What? Take a little off the top like my entire head? No thanks. I'm talking about your beard. The beard. I hate that beard. You hate that beard. I love this beard. You'll never understand. Get back here right now. Ah! Ah! Kid arose and dusted herself off, walking into the forest. By the time she made it to the tree line, the husband burst from the house and ran in the opposite direction, back toward his work site. The wife stood at the door, razor in hand, panting, yelling back that he had to come home sometime. When he did, she would get him. It's been like an hour, the devil said. He checked his ledger, though. Wow. She did it. If only they knew that a healthy relationship required communication, trust, and a genuine love for the other person where you want what's best for them and kidda cut the devil off. No, no, no. That's not what this was. There wasn't a lesson here. This was about her getting shoes that she wanted. Gimme, gimme. The devil, a little worried that she had been able to do that so quickly, said, yeah, sure. A pair of shoes appeared in a puff of smoke that smelled faintly of brimstone. Kidda looked them over. This wasn't a needful things bit, but the shoes had an ironic curse, right? Like she wasn't going to put them on and never stop walking or suddenly care about her physical appearance to the point of obsessing over it or something, right? He wasn't like intimidated by her or trying to off her in some weird way. The devil asked, couldn't he just fulfill a bargain and give somebody something nice? Literally no, Kidda rejoined, but picked up the shoes. You are incapable of doing that. She started putting on the shoes. Well, whatever. Pleasure doing business with you, Big D, Kidda said. The devil was about to tell her to stop, but she remembered, oh yeah, you don't like that one. I'll stop. Later, Lil D. 
The devil cried out that that one was worse. It was just the devil. But Kitta was gone. He shuddered and disappeared. With Kitta, as she walked, she felt the shoes. Hmm. Yeah, they were they were nice. Were they too nice? She bounced up and down on the balls of her feet. The shoes supported her arches. They were comfortable, well-built. It was good. It was probably okay. They wouldn't fail her in a time of need or cause her to trip and fall into a ravine or something. Right, right. I mean, what harm had ever come from taking an item from the devil? Kitta groaned, knelt down, and began unlacing the shoes. Needful things, man, needful things. By the time she made it into town, she was back in her old shoes that probably wouldn't make her walk for a thousand years straight. The devil's shoes were in nice leather, though, and she would be able to get something for them from the local merchant. Then it was his problem. The bell rang as Kitta entered the shop. She stood at the counter and waited, and waited. Hey? The only thing that answered her were sobs from the back of the store. Kitta flipped the counter up and went back. Oh, no, you're not here to mess with me again, are you? Today is not a good day, the shop owner asked. Kitta took the last candy from a jar and then tossed the jar on the floor, shattering it. Nope. Well, okay, starting now. What's up? The merchant explained through sobs. He had made a deal. A terrible deal. It sounded so good, but it was secretly cursed. Let me guess. The guy was dressed in all black, smelled like brimstone, and had actual horns. Yeah, he was the devil. I knew that going into it. The merchant wiped his nose on his sleeve with a sniffle. Oh, Kidda said. So why'd you take the deal? You know all his deals are rigged, right? I do now, the merchant wailed. It was a sure thing. No matter what the merchant bought, he would be able to sell it within three weeks at an enormous profit. But if he sold absolutely everything in his store, everything that he could get his hands on, the devil would return for his soul. At first, he thought there was no way this could go wrong. He could buy literal worthless trash, stuff that was too gross or weird or confusing for anyone to buy, like actual garbage, rotten food and animal carcasses, you know, anything. But the merchant became rich anyway. Now his store was empty. He had bought and sold everything. The evil one would return unless he was able to buy something soon. Kiss said that the devil always doing stuff like this. The jerk. She had some shoes she could sell the guy, but they looked nice and they would probably go quickly. She was annoyed that the devil was here doing stuff like this. She wanted to get even. Then she had an idea. All right. She would help the merchant. Thank you. Thank you, you wonderful woman, the merchant cried. No, no, stop that. I'm not wonderful. I'm still evil. I'm just annoyed that the devil thought he could out-evil me, Kitta said, looking around. You realize he's the evil one, right? The merchant said, huh, not for long. They're going to be calling me the evil one after this, Kitta grinned. The merchant said that's not a good thing. But Kitta quickly changed the subject when she tore open her shirt and said, get the tar.
A bit sparse in here today. The patron looked around the shop at the bare shelves. Everything had been bought for way too much money, and the merchant had enough that he could close down and live on the sum forever. But he could never close down, because if he stopped, even for a minute, the devil would come for him. In fact, it had been 13 days since Kitta stopped by, and the merchant had no new goods. Today was the day. You have nothing here? The patron asked. Well, I have something in the back. It's only for a very, very discerning buyer, the merchant said. The patron asked what it was. It's a bird, the merchant looked left and right. Oh, wait, is it one of those bird of sorrow things? Make things horrible before reversing my fortunes and making things good and helping me to appreciate my life? The patron's eyebrows rose. That, that kind of. More so the first part. Actually, all the first part. It'll just make your life miserable, the merchant said and opened the door. The patron was horrified, but he couldn't look away. He staggered back toward the door and ran as fast as he could. Why did he run away? The devil said, pushing his way into the store after popping into existence outside the door. That guy is a complete rich weirdo. He will go for anything. What do you have in there? The devil pushed past him. You know I can buy items from you. I don't lose these deals. It's kind of my whole thing. And the devil looked through the doorway and saw the bird. Kiddo was sitting in a giant cage, plastered with tar and feathers. Squawk, squawk, baby, Kidda said with a wink. You, the devil said, turned and ran. He didn't want the bird. The merchant could keep the bird. He didn't want anything to do with that woman. Am I free? The merchant called back. Was, was he free? Wait, did he get to keep the money? Kidda undid the cage. Yeah, he, he got to keep the money. The devil didn't answer. This had been a weird month. First, he hadn't been able to close the farm couple account. Now the merchant was getting away with it. The devil hit his toe on a stone and was about to say, oh, the devil take you, but yeah, well, you know. Hey, lay off him. He's mine. He owes me money, a boy said, approaching and pounding his fists on his hand. The devil looked around. Who owes you money? Strange teenager? The kid pointed down to the rock. That guy. The devil said, that's, that's a rock. Yeah, and he owes me about 40 silver. The kid picked up his spade. He was going to dig that rock's grave if that guy didn't pay up. The devil held up his palms. You know what? He didn't care. All this was too weird. You win, Scandinavia, the devil called out. He didn't have to put up with this. Too cold here anyway. The devil disappeared in a puff of smoke, and the kid didn't really care about whatever that was. He turned to the stone, raising his spade menacingly. You might not be able to get blood from a stone, but this boy was determined to get his money. We'll see what that's all about, but that will, once again, be right after this. The 
the previous day, the boy's mother had sent him with a big container of butter that she had just churned up to sell at the town. It was a stretch. You see, when you're a parent, sometimes you don't realize how much your kids have grown up until they do something that surprises you. And then you're like, wow, you are way more capable of more stuff. The mother and son had just moved to the area. And she had been, well, some would call it overprotective. Others would more accurately call it smothering. But the boy had never been to town. Any town. Ever. The Middle Ages were dangerous. And the woman had already lost her husband. She wasn't about to lose her only child, too. But still, she should give him the chance to go to town. He wanted to, he wanted to prove himself, and he might just be more capable and competent than she thought. He wasn't. The kid took all the butter and offered it to the first person he saw, or what he thought was another person. It was a rock. The kid offered the rock a free taste, and the rock devoured it. It was a warm day. The kid said that it was obvious that the rock loved it. He would sell it to the rock today on credit, then be back tomorrow to get his money. The mother had slapped her forehead. Well, that served her right for believing in him. Good thing it was only butter. It was a foolish thing for him to do, and he lost his doing-anything privileges. But the kid had tasted freedom. Sure, that freedom meant walking a hundred yards from his house and selling butter to a rock, but it was still so sweet. He wasn't going to take no for an answer. He grabbed his shovel and stomped right on over to the rock. And that was where he had his run-in with the devil, who was just over the whole situation. He was gone in a puff of smoke, and the kids started threatening the rock. The rock was stone-faced. They didn't have an agreement, verbal or otherwise. The butter was a delicious gift. The kids smeared on his face without his consent, the rock might add, if it could talk and wasn't a rock. Quote, you wretch, cried the boy. Yesterday you bought my butter and today you refuse to pay for it? Nay, even to answer me? On my word, I will show you that I am not to be trifled with. The boy threw down the shovel and tackled the rock. Slowly, I mean, like, really slowly. It was a big rock. And it was more of a grapple and a squat. But the boy did lift with his legs until the rock fell over. Ha! Had enough? The boy cried out. But the rock, the rock wasn't moving. Come on, come on, buddy. It, it was just a little shove. Get up. The boy nudged it. But the rock wasn't getting up because it was a rock. Oh, no, the boy said, looking left and right down the road, checking for witnesses. All right, okay. He was in the clear. All right, he brought the shovel as a threat, but now looked like he would be using it to hide a body. The boy started digging at the divot where the rock had been resting, and it wasn't three shovelfuls before he found it. The gold. It was a chest full of gold pieces, almost as heavy as the rock that had apparently been its previous owner. The kid shook his head. Didn't have to go this way, he glowered. One of these would have more than paid for the butter, but you just had to be the tough guy, didn't you? The kid hefted the gold out of the hole dug deep enough for the rock to fit, and tossed the body in. He finished covering the hole and dragged the chest back home.
Now, real quickly, it doesn't tell where the gold came from, but in the early Middle Ages, Scandinavia was the world capital of both Vikings and blood feuds, so it's not a stretch to think that some Vikings might have brought back some gold, buried it to keep it safe, and then everyone died because someone stole someone else's horse or something. The family was doing better now, thanks to the boy's unexpected income. The mother, though reluctant, and still a little confused as to what exactly happened when the boy sold the butter, he said that someone named The Rock bought it for an exorbitant sum, and then he left town immediately on a long journey, so the mom shouldn't try to follow up on it to see who it was. When she slaughtered the cow, the mom decided to let the boy handle it again, and sent him with the meat to sell. I see your men of culture and taste, the boy grinned. He had passed several rocks on his way into town, but didn't even look their way. They weren't good for the money. Instead, the son found a group of party guys playing in the street. All right, here's the rest of it, the boy said, throwing the meat on the ground. The party guys barked because they were dogs and immediately ate the rest. I'll be back tomorrow to collect. And he was. The mom was confused because it sounded like he just gave the meat to a bunch of stray dogs, but she decided to let this play out. The dogs, like the stones, didn't have the cash on hand. They didn't carry wallets, and once again, they were dogs. The boy, who was scarred enough from the last time and didn't want to kill again, collared the nearest dog and dragged him to face justice. Yeah, that's... that's a dog the sentry at the castle door stopped the boy. Call him whatever you want, but he owes me for pounds of meat. I want to make him pay, the boy said. The sentry looked around. Did sentry number three put him up to this? The boy said he had no idea what the sentry was talking about. He wanted his money. The sentry said, sure. He would let the boy through to grovel before the king and make that dog face justice, but he wanted his cut. Half of whatever the king gave him, the guard warned. The boy said, sure. If he didn't get in, he wouldn't get anything. 50% of something was better than 100% of nothing. The guard let the boy pass. Turns out it was like 12.5% of something. Because the boy was stopped two more times and promised halves to two more sentries. And by the time he made it before the king, everyone knew who he was. Yeah, no, I, I can't make them pay. They're dogs, the king said, after he heard the boy's whole story. The boy had confessed to the murder, the murder of the rock. He had to get it off his chest. The king was about to have the boy kicked out when laughter exploded from the person next to him. The king's jaw dropped seriously. This story. You see... The boy claimed not to know it, but there was a fairy tale dad deal going on in this kingdom. The princess hadn't laughed her entire life, and the person who could make her laugh couldn't marry her. After so many tedious open mic nights, the guys of the town had given up hope. But the kid, with his tales of butter rocks and deadbeat dogs, was hilarious. You kind of have to wonder how much those other guys bombed. Anyway, the princess laughed and so the boy could marry her. Uh, yeah, no thanks, the boy said. The 
court stopped dead. What? The boy said, I don't care for her. No offense. None taken, the king smiled. He didn't know why this kid didn't want to marry his daughter, but he knew he wasn't about to question a gift from God. Sure, absolutely. Did the kid want way too much money for the meat and all that weird dog stuff? The kid said, no, no. He wasn't about worldly wealth. The only thing he wanted in recompense for the meat was 60 lashes. The king blinked. What? Yes, 60 lashes with a whip. Please, the teen boy said. The king said, yeah, he could have them. Didn't really seem good or fair, but sure, he was getting off really easy here. The kid stopped the guard who came to drag him away. Hey, wasn't he the guy who wanted to split the king's reward for the meat? The guard laughed nervously. Uh, what? The kid said, yeah. The man wanted 50% of the reward. That's what, 30 lashes? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wanted 50% of the remaining reward. I was the third one, too. That's 12.5% of the lashes for a total of 7.5 lashes. The king said, wait, who are the other two? The first century nearly died with his 30 lashes. The next was aching after 15, and the boy and the third weren't feeling good, but they were okay at seven apiece. The king, though, was amazed. The boy played that perfectly. Wait, did he know about the contest? Regardless, the king's mind was blown. He was now begging the boy, please, please be my son-in-law. Look at how incompetent my guys are. They thought they could get paid from a fool with a dog. The boy held up his hand. No, not a fool. Master fool. The king blinked. Um, okay, sure. Was this a King Lear situation where the fool was actually super smart? It, you know what? He was out of his depth. All hail prince, master fool. And that was the story of the Master Fool from Denmark. It's honestly difficult to say if he knew what was up the whole time or just improvised his way into ruling the kingdom. I'm actually not sure which is more impressive. The first two stories today were from Sweden. And though she's evil, I liked the character of Kitta Grau. According to some notes out there, as it was originally written, the first part of the story was supposed to be kind of a maybe misogynistic thing where a woman can accomplish evil that even the devil could not, which, yeah, not cool, someone, somewhere along the line, added on the second half, turning her into something of a chaotic, neutral anti-hero. She's not necessarily evil. She's just out to mess with people, and will even mess with the devil and do some good, given the opportunity. Next week, we're in Japanese folklore. But if you're looking for something to listen to in the meantime, Best of the Worst, another podcast we do, is back with its second season. It's like if the Creature of the Week segment was about comic book villains, we started this season with a deep dive into the new Marvel big bad, Kang the Conqueror. And we're back at it with two episodes a week now. It's a lot of fun. We have a new website, villains.lol. And if you'd like to hear the show, you can follow the link in the show notes to subscribe. Once again, that's Best of the Worst. And the website is villains.lol. 
The creature this week is bat squatch from the Pacific Northwest in North America. Now, bat squatch is exactly what it sounds like. Well, almost. For me, I, because I'm a complete nerd, I'm like, what if Sasquatch was Batman? And then like, would there be a tragic backstory where his Sasquatch parents were killed by hunters or other criminal Sasquatches? Was he aware of the human Batman or did he arrive at it organically because he was also scared of bats? Whether Batsquatch is a Sasquatch Batman or his own thing is a question we'll never know the answer to. But my spell check is telling me Sasquatches isn't a word, so I should probably move on. Anyway, yeah. In 1994, a kid coming home in the Mount Rainier area had his car stall out on him on a stretch of highway. He didn't know what happened, but as the car rolled to a stop, the headlights illuminated something in the sky that landed in front of him. Batsquatch. Of course, he wasn't called Batsquatch at this point. He was just a nine-foot-tall creature with blue-tinted fur and wings that folded behind his broad, muscly shoulders. The story is quick to say that the 18-year-old who saw it did not drink or do drugs and, for some reason, also mentions that he didn't play Dungeons & Dragons, because I guess those are equivalent. I posted the article on the website with a link in the show notes. The creature looked at him with its yellow eyes, quote, the shapes of pieces of pie, and then took off with such force that the car shook. The car magically started working again, and the kid went home to tell his parents. When they returned to the spot, there was no sign of Batsquatch. It spread through the town, got an article in the paper, and the name Batsquatch, because it was like a, a bat Sasquatch, but no one saw Batsquatch again for 15 years. When, in 2009, hikers saw something with a wingspan of 50 feet up in the mountains. In 2011, someone walking their dog saw a similar creature fly by. In years since, it looks like the creature might have relocated from the Pacific Northwest, because children in Spanish class in Akron, Ohio, saw a 9-foot-tall black mass zip by their window with a 30-foot wingspan. To me, this is where the story becomes its most unbelievable. I say this as an Ohio resident. Who would choose to relocate from the Pacific Northwest to Ohio of all places? Yeah, I, I call hoax. I give Batsquatch more credit than to leave the beautiful forests and mountains of Washington State for the Midwest. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. The theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to more of the music we use in the show notes. Myths and Legends is a registered trademark of Bardic Enterprises, LLC. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>